With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a special edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined as always by Paul Hoynes, our Indians beat writer, and our special guest, who is an 11-time Gold Glove Award-winning infielder, Ranked number two all-time in career fielding percentage as a, short, as a shortstop. And he's the all-time leader in hits and games played by Venezuelan-born players. I'm talking about none other than the great Omar Vizquel. Omar, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Joe and Paul. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be talking to my Cleveland friends. <laughs> Omar, Cleveland's favorite son. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, it, it, no Indians player, I think, from that 90s era, those championship teams, gets fans fired up or puts a smile on people's face as much as, as Omar does. Omar, why do, you, why do you think that is? Why do you think the, the fans here in Cleveland love you so much? Well, I have obviously my best years uh, in Cleveland, and I think the times that we were having playoff and World Series game, uh, my whole personality came into place. I was a guy that liked to show a lot of colors, and I painted, and uh, I did a lot of things in the community, and I think it just touch a lot of people's hearts of the way that a baseball player wasn't uh, wasn't looked at, you know, as a as, as that kind of personality. So, you know, I think is uh, I made a lot of friends there. I still have a lot of friends. Uh, I keep a lot of my uh, phone books open to all of my Cleveland friends that I hang out with, and uh, it's just a pressure. It was awesome to be in Cleveland in those days. Omar, what? You know, you, you made a big, uh, this is your second year of eligibility. Of course, the uh, Hall of Fame ballot came out uh, two days ago. Uh, and you made, how did you feel you did? It looked like, you know, I think you went from about 37% of the vote to 42.8% of the vote, which is, you know, an impressive kind of boost. How do you feel about your chances? I feel great. I think that everything is, is heading into the right direction. Uh, I was very, very pleased by the voting this year. Uh, the fact that uh, I went up six points, uh, it, it was awesome. Uh, I know there is a lot of people out there that are uh, talking about saber metrics that uh, sometimes uh, the numbers don't show uh, everything that you do on the field. But, uh, you know, there is a lot of different criteria now on how people is voting, but uh, I'm really, really uh, happy that uh, my percentage went up, and I think that's the most important thing. Hey, you know, Omar, uh, next year I think Derek Jeter is uh, a first time on, on the ballot. He's a, uh, a guy who won a lot of rings and did a lot of things on the field, uh, 3,000 hits. But 
you know, that whole time uh, that that Derek was playing, you know, he he really didn't match anything that you were doing defensively on the on the field. You were the one winning all the Gold Gloves in that stretch. Uh, it, is is there something to be said for, you know, if they if they're going to put Derek Jeter in the Hall of Fame, there's the the defensive side should should necessarily put you in as well. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's very hard to compare yourself with one of the best shortstop ever to play the game. Uh, you know, he he did take a, a gold glove away from me. I think uh, Jeter got a gold glove in one of those years, but very deserving. He was awesome. Uh, he's he's one of those players that was in the in the right time at the right moment every time, and you know uh, uh, he always come through. It's just very. Uh, rare to see a player that have as many op- opportunities and uh, uh, and the things that he did on the field that always click for his team. He's uh, he's probably gonna be uh, coming down like Mariano Rivera did with a hundred percent point on the voting unanimous. Uh, he was loved by everyone. I think the impact that he created not only with his teammate but with players around the league. Uh, a guy that it was very humble and. You always have an advice or something to say good and, or, or about your game or about everybody else, and uh, you know he's just uh, an, an unbelievable person. Uh, very hard to compare yourself to a guy like that, but but uh, uh, no doubt that he's gonna be uh, uh, you know one of the best ever in the game. Omar, um, you know, there's there's two schools of thoughts on uh, longevity of a, of a player. I mean, you played for 24, 25 years. Some people say, well, he, you know, he got 2,800 hits because he stayed so long. But the, the other school of thought is you have to be doing something right if you're going to be able, if you stay in the big leagues for 24 years. How do you view that? Yeah, that's, that's something that I take pride on. Uh, you know, it's very hard to play in the big leagues uh, for one year. The fact that you can stay for that long and take care of your body and take care of everything that you have to do to, to just to be in the 25-man rosters is is very hard. Uh, people don't understand that. They sometimes we overlook those kind of things. They think just because you have a you know a background or something, or you have the gold glove, or you have uh, you you deserve to be in the team, and that's not the case. Only if you be needed on that particular team, you are gonna be. Uh, part of that prestigious 25-man roster, and uh, I took that from my heart. Uh, you know, every year was uh, different to me. Obviously, uh, you have to work a little harder to stay on those teams, especially after you hit the 35 uh, years old. Those next 10 years were like really, really hard to me. Even though that uh, after that, I still won three gold gloves and I uh, play every day for five of those 10 years. But, uh, you know, the fact that you can help people around you, the fact that you can steal in shape, that they can use you coming off the bench, all these things are, uh, you know, uh, have to be taken into consideration. I'm, I feel proud that, you know, at, at 45, I was still playing the position that I love, something that is too hard. You know, at 45 uh, years old, uh, a lot of infielders have no even uh, 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 movements anymore that can play on the field and I take pride on what I did at 45. And how did your how did your career have to change after you left Cleveland a lot of you know folks might not have followed that I mean you you moved you were you played a little at third base a little at second base for some teams uh, like you said you still got to play shortstop too but how did how did you have to make adjustments uh, 
to the way your career went after you left Cleveland and you were a full-time shortstop? Well, everything has to change. You know, my the way that I eat, the way that I work out, the way that I uh, deal with people around me, uh, everything has to change in order for me to stay in the game and stay uh, uh, agile and quick. Um, it, it was interesting. It was really cool to go to one process to the other, but, you know, uh, I, I was learning a, a different Omar, and that Omar adjusts to everything that was uh, that was coming in his way. So, you know, I, I, I felt pretty proud about that. Omar, how important was it when you left Cleveland to go to San Francisco and play every day there for two or three years as a shortstop and, and let, you know, the National League see you, the National League, you know, and I, in particular the National League baseball writers. How, what, what, do you think that's, that's helped you in, in uh, you know, your quest to uh, get to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, no doubt. I think that coming to the National League was very uh, exciting. Um, I got to see a lot of players that I didn't get to play with uh, in the American League and uh, also had the opportunity for other people to take a look at my game. Uh, I was really excited when they, um, they gave me the first gold glove in the National League playing for the Giants. And then um, uh, a year after that, I got another gold glove. So it, it was really interesting to see all the other uh, National League shortstops that were there at the time. And... Um, um, the, the whole uh, strategy of the game in the National League, you know, is, is different, but, but, but it's still baseball. It was so interesting to be there. I was pretty happy that I got to make that, uh, that transition and, and uh, that it worked because, uh, you know, to go glove there, it was awesome. Uh, I consider uh, uh, myself now one of the best shortstops in the game, not only in the American League. So it was really good. Uh, too bad that I have an injury that almost got me out of my position for a while. Uh, you know, I also have uh, my knees uh, 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 work on in, in a couple of surgeries, and I was afraid that I wasn't going to be back and be the same. But, you know, with hard work, I was able to do it. Uh, Omar, we, we talk about your, your quest to, to reach the Hall of Fame. Uh, also, you're on sort of a quest uh, career-wise. Uh, looking to become a major league manager, looking to become the, the third Venezuelan-born uh, major league manager uh, of all time. Uh, you managed the, the Venezuelan team in the uh, World Baseball Classic, uh, you managed at different levels in the minor leagues for different systems. Uh, where are things right now? Where do you stand? And, and how, how do you see your, your quest in that regard going uh, to, to someday be a, a, a full-time major league manager? Well, I think that the quest to be a manager in the major league is going the same as the quest of going to the Hall of Fame. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's getting better. It's going into the right direction. We're taking uh, baby steps. It's moving slowly. But I'm, sti I'm still learning a lot of things about the saber, saber metrics, how the game is being run nowadays, and uh, learning all these uh, equations now that they're asking you to know about the game. Uh, you know, obviously managing in the minor leagues uh, is different. Um, as you know, I'm going to be managing a double-A this year uh, with the White Sox organization, and that team is uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. So I'm going to be moving up with a, a lot of guys that I managed last year from the Winston-Salem single-A team last year. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's good that we move, uh, um, we move together as uh, we know how these guys are responding on different situations. 
and in different circumstances. So, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, I'm still learning with them. Uh, I'm putting into practice a lot of things that help me to be successful, and I also trying to balance it out with all the things that I've been reading about, uh, about these numbers and about these new theories about the game. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's been really good right now. We had a great year, and I'm expecting to have another great year uh, coming up. So, so, so there's a, a written test for managers. You have to be able to figure out how to calculate war and uh, WOBA and all that good stuff, uh, all the sabermetric numbers? Yeah, you have to know about these terms and about, about how to get there, uh, how these terms are going to help out the players that you have. Sometimes uh, it's hard to apply them because uh, in the minor leagues you don't have a track record that some of the major league guys do. But, uh, you know, you, you get to uh, experiment some of these things with, with the new people, with the new guys, with uh, guys that haven't been in the game for more than two years. And it's, uh, it's like a puzzle, you know. you got to try to put them together in a good way. And, uh, you know, it worked out last year. It was awesome. So also have some good people surround me that can uh, uh, help me to figure out all these things, and and it's, it's going great. Omar, did you ever did you get kicked out of a game last year? I did get kicked out. You one got time. kicked out of a game. Uh, I can't believe it. <laughs> yes, me neither. Me neither. Uh, the, the the umpire admitted that it was his fault, though that he shouldn't take take me out of the game. And you know, I I, I didn't really get that mad or throw uh, things like you see in other games. But, uh, you know, we have a hard discussion, and, uh, you know, he took me out of the game. Oh, My you're... goal was not to get up throwing out of the game more than five times. I think Gene told me and I, when we got to spring training, <laughs> we talked about the umpires and, and how, you know, how difficult it was to deal with them. And I think that I win that bet. Okay. I win the bet that I wasn't going to get kicked out more than five games. Did you ever get kicked out of a game as a player? Yeah, I did kicked out twice in oh. the big leagues, but but in a twenty four year career, I think it was great. Yeah, that's not too bad. <laughs> was it for arguing that's balls and strikes, bad. or or what? Uh, <laughs> was it for arguing? Yeah. It was for arguing balls and strikes. Uh, yeah, yeah, both time was uh, arguing balls balls and strikes. Yeah. Omar, you played right through the uh, the heart of the steroid era. Um, you know, there's a always a controversy now with the guys on. On the, on the ballot right now with Bonds and Clemens and, and Sheffield and, and Manny Ramirez. I, I just want to know, were, were you ever tempted to do that? Was that ever, uh, a, you know, uh, or did you think you got shortchanged by, by playing against guys that, that may have been cheating? Yeah, I think so. You know, looking at everything that went after that, you know, uh, uh, I was asking myself why uh, – you know, I didn't have that advantage that most of these people have, you know, that they sh- it should have been like a fair game to everyone, right? Right. But at the same time, uh, at the same time, I I was uh, smart enough to know that, uh, you know, that stuff was going to be at the end, it was going to be bad for you, and your reputation was going to go down the drain once uh, they come down into this, this stuff, you know. We didn't know that it was going to come down as hard. And I didn't know how far it was gonna be for for this sun for the substance to kind of be uh, uh, the 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 difference between all these numbers and, and and everything that went on. So you know, I I I hold on. Uh, I start finding out, reading about it. Uh, you know, you start like uh, seeing changes though in in a lot of people. 
It's right. like, wow, how this guy can put 20 pounds of muscle, you know, and and talking to my trainers and everything, you know, it was really hard to uh, try to get there. I, I gained five pounds and I, I was like, oh my God, like, how this guy can gain so much weight? But, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I knew a, a little bit about it, but I, I contained myself. And uh, I think it worked better for me, uh, knowing that I stay in the game for a long time and my body still hold on. And, uh, you know, eventually uh, the whole thing came down and then and people started getting uh, uh, test positive. And I realized that, that that's what they were doing. Uh, it, it was something that it, it was in the, in the mystery. Uh, people didn't really uh, know what they were doing. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, it, it, it was a, a bad thing for the game. Omar, uh, you know, anybody with a YouTube channel can go back and, hi- uh, and Google highlight reel video of you playing the position from your time in, in Cleveland. Uh, the plays just all stand out in our minds, anybody who watched for, for all those seasons. Uh, does any one play or any one thing that you did in particular, uh, a play on the field, stand out in your mind? Or when you see a highlight of it, you look back and you go, "Wow, I, that was that was really cool." I think uh, we have to go to playoff game and World Series when you uh, magnify the situation of a play. Uh, and I think that play that I get, I make in Game Six against the Marlins that gives us the opportunity to go to Game Seven mm-hmm. is the one that stuck out in my mind the most. Uh, diving towards the hole. Uh, uh, making a good throw to first base and avoiding two runs that couldn't be in the yeah. the uh, different of the game. So you I just, think that play always stuck in my mind, and when people ask that question, I always bring that one up. Charles Johnson, right? That's right. Charles, yeah. ja- Charles yeah. Johnson was, was hit, the hitter, the catcher, yeah. yeah. I remember talking to you the next day about that, and you said the only thing that could have been better is if it happened in Game 7 instead of Game 6. <laughs> you know, or if that... Yeah. If that, if that if Game Six had, had decided it and, and and won it for you guys, won it for the Indians. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Well, that was uh, you know every time that you go, you are in the World Series, uh, every play uh, is meaningful, every out, every pitch, and you know that play. Oh, it it it, it brings me shields every time I see it on the TV. Any any memories at the plate? Uh, you know, with the bat that, that that stand out for you. Any any big plays or, or significant hits that that you'll you'll always remember for. Your time in Cleveland? Uh, well, there were many, uh, uh, many because I wasn't the guy that's supposed to get all the big hits. Uh, you know, in most of the situation, we had so many hitters that always were bringing excitement into the games and getting the home runs and stuff like that. But I got my my fair share of hits, uh, like home runs, grand slam ending uh, games. Uh, I had a grand slam against the Tigers, by the way, uh, against Todd Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. That won a game. That was a game that really uh, uh, remember the grand slam in the ninth inning. And uh, I think a triple that I hit against uh, the Seattle Mariners yeah. on that uh, comeback, a famous comeback of 12 runs where they were leading, and uh, you know we tied the game on the ninth on the ninth inning with two outs and two strike on the triple. Yeah, I remember. Uh, everybody remembers that. Yeah, and yeah, I mean some some of those uh, that uh, that kind of like stick in my mind. But obviously, the plays on the field with your glove is what people always remember about Omar. 
All right, we're uh, we're coming down to the end here. Oh, uh, we're going to wrap up. We're going to uh, give Hoinsey one more shot at you. I, I was wondering, you know, as a manager, who who is in what, what influences have you used from the, the the managers you played with? You know, uh, like Grover or, or Charlie, or you know, uh, with Hargrove or maybe Charlie Manuel or who who's influenced you or who have who have you you know taken some ideas from? I think everybody always has their own style of game, and uh, you know, just as you play, as you hit, as you feel, and you have to take all these ideas and kind of like put it one into your own style. You know, I don't really follow one guy in particular. I don't really want to be like one of those guys in particular. But obviously, I learn about a little bit about one of each of them. You know, I have a little bit of hard work when you you keep your calm and you can talk to a player face-to-face. Uh, you know, you, you can only have a little bit of Charlie Manuel when he just joke around <laughs> on a very... Uh, on a very pressure situation, and he just bring you down, he give you a joke, and he just make you smile. So you you can have a little bit of Aussie Gideon when you just uh, crazy uh, things that happen on the field. Uh, uh, got a little bit of Felipe Alou when you go deep into uh, talking to a player uh, about the history of the game. So all these things combined can make uh, can make you a, a successful manager, and I think that I've been trying to do. Well, I, I remember you saying one time, if you ever got to be a manager, you'd, you'd, you'd straight steal a home. You'd call a straight steal a home at least once a game. It, did you call any straight steals a home in the last season when you were managing? It's funny because the first game that we won in uh, at home was uh, a stealing home in the ninth inning. <laughs> it was one of my favorite plays ever and I have the fastest guy in the team in third base with a slow pitcher at the mound and I told him to steal home and he almost freaked out <laughs> in, in, in third base and you know when he take off uh, my whole heart was was beeping so hard that I couldn't believe that he just he just did it I was I was kind of like uh, uh, expecting the win right there and he did it when he slide the throw wasn't even close to to making the play but the next day, I received a phone call from a general manager uh, telling me that uh, those plays are very risky and he doesn't want to see one of his players getting hurt at home plate. <laughs> so, uh, you know, <laughs> I had to kind of like pull back on those kind of crazy plays for now. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Omar, uh, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and and you got to promise uh, next year when uh, we get close to Hall of Fame voting again, We'll get a chance to talk to you again, and, and maybe next time we, we, we get on the line with you, we're talking to Hall of Famer Omar Vizquel. Of course. Thank you, guys. And, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in the Cleveland area, too. We're going to do uh, uh, some kind of a dinner kind. Uh, I think the, the place is sold out already, but I'm going to be in the Cleveland area, so, you know, you can be aware that uh, uh, oh, we're going to be there. At the Are awards you going to be at the sports, the sports awards? Uh, no, no, it's uh you know the the captains uh the oh Soho yeah Lake the, the Lake County captains yeah sure yeah yeah the, yeah the the, the so class we'll be over there so you know I will see you guys over there all right, all right. Omar hey it's great talking great. to you and uh, thanks for doing this buddy thank you okay talk to everyone Paul that was great to hear from from Omar I, I think uh, it was fascinating to hear just some of his stuff uh, about managing and, and the way yeah. he's, he's changed and all that uh you know what did you take away from from omar's uh you know thoughts on the hall of fame and and on you know where he is now in his his career i thought uh, i i really liked uh, joe the uh 
I like the, the kind of, he had a grip on the situation with the Hall of Fame. I think he, you know, he, 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 see, he knows he has some momentum in the balloting. He wasn't disappointed. I don't think he, he thought he was going to be a first ballot guy. Maybe they did deep mm -hmm. down inside. Probably everybody does. But uh, I think I really liked uh, his attitude about that, that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a process. It's going to take, take some time. Uh, and, and just in talking about his, his hopes and his, his progression for managing, he's got the same approach. He's, he's, he's starting off small, and he's not like one of these guys who immediately thinks he can go from playing on the field to, to walking out there. He admitted he's got a lot of, of stuff to learn, particularly about uh, the way that managers have to process that new information, the, new, the, the sabermetrics, and the, uh, the new sort of analysis and statistics-driven uh, information, uh, and, and, and he's, he admitted he has to learn some of that. Yeah, th I thought that was great. Uh, you know, the, Omar's got one thing going that, you know, a lot of, a lot of first-year managers, managers that walk right off the street and get a big league job, don't. He's bilingual, very fluent in, in English. There, there's such a heavy Spanish, a Latin, you know, influence of Latin ballplayers. You know, that can only help you. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd like the, the fact that, you know, he's taken something from Hargrove. He's taken something from Ozzie Guillen. He's taken something from Charlie Manuel and Felipe Alou. You know, all, all the managers that have influenced him. And you know you, and then you know you have to be yourself, but you, you, you know you take you lean on all the experiences you have, and that that sounds like a, a mature approach. And the fact that you know he's he's not uh, he's not a you know he's not uh, you know he's not so old school that he's not going to take sabermetrics seriously. Mm -hmm. That that he's studying and he's you know he, he's trying to. There's so much information now that he's trying to make it work for him and. You know, I think I think the sky's the limit for this guy. You know, he started at A ball last year at Winston Salem. Now he's going up to Double A Bur Birmingham. Um, you know, which you know that's where Terry Francona I think started. That's where mm -hmm. he had Michael Jacks, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. And uh, so you know that's a that's a good stepping stone for him. <laughs> Tell Tito he had Michael Jackson. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I just think we, we could have gotten into so much more about that 90s era, but, uh, you know, we were short on time. Uh, just the way that this city responded to Omar when he was at the sort of the height of his game. You know, he was making plays that we were, everybody was just like, wow. Do you, if, if Omar had played in the days of social media and Twitter and where, where all of your top plays are um, instant highlights, you know, where you can scroll through a Twitter feed and see, we would be seeing Omar Vizquel plays on a <laughs> nightly basis. I mean, the the cut four on on MLB.com yeah. would be would have a field day with this guy it, at at the the height of his his uh, sort of dominance defensively. Uh, I, I think if, if that were the case, maybe he's maybe he does get a little bit of a boost uh, in, in the Hall of it Fame. It could voting. be. You know, I I remember. You know, I think if. If you pass the eye test, you pass the eye test. And, and Omar did that for 24, 25 years. I don't care what the sabermetrics say. Right. I mean, but, you know, the, the one guy I, I was really, you know, Hal, Hal Levovitz, you know, long, the late, great Hal Levovitz, you know, sports editor of the, uh, the Plain Dealer, covered uh, the 19, covered Lou Boudreaux, who was, you know, regarded as uh, the, the, the top shortstop in Indians history. He said, he said Omar was better than him, you know, and, and from a defensive standpoint. Right. But, you know, so, you know, I think, you know, when, when that generational, you know, uh, consensus is passed along, 
you know, I think that 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 comes into play. That that yeah. that, that that counts. And uh, and I just think, uh, you know, I just love the fact that he he wasn't frustrated by, uh, you know, the, the the progress he's making. He's in his second year of eligibility, forty two point eight percent. I mean. He, you yeah. know, I think he's going to well, make it one you, way or the other. You used that word in, in your story, in your post about it. You said patience, and I think patience is going to pay off for him in a couple of years uh, for sure. Uh, in, in terms of the Indians franchise, second all-time in steals, sixth in runs scored, seventh in hits, eighth in doubles, tenth in total bases. He He's number one all-time in the Indians uh, organization in sacrifice flies. <laughs> so there you go. That's right. But... Uh, but you talk about a generational player. Omar was once in a lifetime to get to see play play shortstop. Now we've, we've got a current shortstop who's who's yeah, you know not no, bad. no slouch uh, defensively himself, and the offensive numbers that he's putting up are are, are pretty good. Yeah, I, so you know, I, I remember you know when you know when when Robbie Alomar and Omar were playing together, and you had one guy which was you know the you know the all around player with mm-hmm. Robbie. Then you had the defensive guy in Omar, but still. Ended up with 2,800 hits, and I, I always think Lindor is a combination of those two guys. You know, the defense, you've got Vizquel's defense, and Alomar's offense wrapped up in one guy. He, he, Lindor's the next generation of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he takes what they did and just multiplies it. And, so. and you know, the, the game has changed so much mm-hmm. that his power has come in, into play so much. I don't think Robbie Alomar ever hit 39 home runs That's in a year. I know if that was like when you had 20 to 25 home runs, that was, you know, that was a great year, especially for, you know, a middle infielder. And then you're talking about, uh, was, was Robbie a first ballot Hall of Famer? Or? Yeah, first. Yeah, no, first. he was a second ballot. Second he, ballot. He, didn't, he did not get in the first ballot. Close enough. All right, well, that'll do it uh, for uh, a special edition, an exclusive edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we will uh, look forward to maybe talking to Omar again next year around uh, Hall of Fame time. Uh, same way, that would be great just to, just to get sort of his excitement and his, uh, his passion for this, uh, you know, again. Uh, Hoinsey, thanks again for joining us, and then we'll talk to you later. Great talking to you, Joe.